So, Father Harrison, have you recovered from the great Chicago adventure yet? I think I'm still digesting pierogi. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I, I slept... Friday night, I slept actually quite horribly. But then Saturday night, I actually had like the first good night's sleep in like a month. I was very grateful for the hospitality, but I'm not used to sleeping on like a single bed. Oh, oh, you've got... What do you have, like a big, like fancy king-size bed no, with king like size. pillars and drapes and <laughs> no 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 but you know just a normal size bed for when I, I move around a lot in my sleep so it, it, it was good though so no no it was a good time it was just it was a very whirlwind trip for me because it was like a eight nine hours to travel there there tuesday night then i it was 11 hours flying back so did you get any airplane stories uh, I'm trying to think. Ooh, ooh I, well, not story, but I finally got to fly on a 787, which I was very excited about. So try I on the way back. Is that a big plane? It's a. It's not a huge plane. It's just a very technologically advanced plane. So instead of, for example, instead of the shutters for the windows, yeah, uh, there's a little button that tints the window to the level that you want it tinted at. Whoa. So you can still see outside, but it stops the sunlight from coming in. So if you want to sleep, you can sleep. Also, the lights change according to the time zone you're in. So your body better adjusts to uh, jet lag. And it uses more recycled air from the outside so that you're not uh, breathing in all the germs and stuff. And again, it's about helping you. And so most planes with air pressure controls feel like you're flying at around 10,000 feet. The um, 787 makes you feel like you're flying at about 6,000 feet, so that reduces greatly the jet lag. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so I was very excited to finally sit on, sit on that. So, you know, how about yourself? So, oh, yeah, it was good. It's good getting back in the groove. It was weird to not do anything on a weekend. So I left Chicago after my masses, uh, whatever, two weeks ago, whatever, and then I got back last weekend, but I didn't have any – I didn't have mass. I didn't have – I mean, I said mass in my rectory by myself, but there were like no confessions, no mass, yeah. no homily prep, no nothing. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Hmm. Yeah. So what did you do with your time instead? Uh, I stopped over at some family's place in uh, Toledo, uh-huh. and they were very nice, and it was uh, fun to hang out with them because I don't get to do that very often. Yeah. And then what happened? I, I mean, I got back to the rectory, mm-hmm. and I did more. I mean, I had mass. Whoa, 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 whoa. But you were on holidays, Father Anthony. Why would you say yeah. Mass on your holidays? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I figured I should go to Mass on Sunday because I think that's still an obligation for me, right? <laughs> so I decided to do that thing. When I was in seminary, I was in Toronto uh, visiting some friends for a reading break, and I went to get my hair cut somewhere. And the I was, a, I don't know, so I'm in a seminary, so I'm in civvies or whatever, right? But the lady started to talk to me. She goes, oh, so... What are you going to do when you're on holidays here? I said, well, actually, tonight I'm going to um, I'm going to weekday mass with some friends. Oh, but you're on holidays. Why would you want to go to mass on your holidays? Oh, no. And I was just like, because I love Jesus. Yeah, right. And I want to be near him. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I, that was the opportunity to say, well, actually, I'm starting to be a priest and stuff. And she was still kind of perplexed by this idea that even if a priest takes holidays, why would he want to go to mass? I know. It's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Was it restful for you? Um, it was and it wasn't because we were we were really busy. It, it we was were, a really we packed few stuff. days. Yeah, I was very happy we had that quiet Thursday afternoon. Right, so that was good. <laughs> uh, but it's good to be back and back in the groove and uh, back doing regular old priest stuff. Yep. And exciting things happening in my parish. But before yeah. I get to that, I want to say welcome to Clerically Speaking. You I'm Father Anthony. <laughs> I'm Father Harrison. <laughs> wow, yeah. Wow. It's been like two weeks since we had a real episode, and my yeah, brain exactly. is like, oh, exactly, boy. Exactly. Okay, so exciting things going on in my parishes. So as you know, and as I like to say and remind people, I have seven parishes. I'm assigned to seven different parishes and uh, with three other priests, and we are combining those seven parishes into one parish. And so a lot of people have been doing a lot of work to make that happen. And, and there's so much stuff we you know, still have to do. Like every person gets a different number for their parish envelopes mm-hmm. and just like so much stuff that I, I would not have thought of, uh, but stuff that we have to do. Anyway, though, this when this episode comes out on Friday, we will be declared one parish and we'll get our new parish name. Mm-hmm. So that's very exciting. So what's the parish name going to be? So we submitted to the bishop three different names that were voted on by uh, our um, parishes. 
the number one choice was Holy Spirit mm-hmm. Parish. Number two was St. Gabriel. And number three was Teresa of Calcutta. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people really want Holy Spirit Parish. Please say you went with number three. Please say you went with number three. Please say you went with no, number three. No. See, see, the problem oh. is what I've heard, what I've heard is that um, the bishop wants to keep that name because we're obviously not the only parish in Pittsburgh that wants that name. But I think he wants to keep that name for one of the inner city parishes okay. and not so much us. That, that's my guess. That's why I've heard rumors. Fine. And it's just rumors. Who knows? Fine. But I'm really hoping for St. Gabriel Parish because mm-hmm. I think that's a cool name. Um, it's a saint. It's more concrete. Like there's nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But like when's your parish feast day? Pentecost? Yeah. Pentecost yeah. is already a huge day. Yeah. But why not? You just make it huger. Make it have a big party. Have a big party. You can, but we should be doing that anyway. And then we have another day to party, which is a feast of the um, uh, archangels. Or is it? Do we have a? Oh, they are they combined? They're combined. I believe, yes. So we have the Feast Day of the Archangels and the Feast Day of... I think it's like And then Guardian Angels is right after that, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. But that's better. I think that's better. And uh, a lot of people want the Holy Spirit name, but it's just not my favorite. Mm. It'll be fine. It'll be fine if we get it, but... It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Cool. So that's that's exciting. We're going to be a real parish. Well, I also have news, too. I have a lot what? of news apparently now. Uh, Go ahead. What's well, the news? Well, I gave I, you fo- folks. I had a couple of people tweet at me or de- or text me about this. They're like, some of us are when you when you uh, secretly dropped, and some of us are going to have even more letters after our name at the last podcast. Y- yes, I and did. Then I gave, did you see the look I gave you when you? Yeah, did you're that? like, shut up. Yes. It isn't official yet. Stop talking. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, if you're on Twitter, you probably already know. But yeah, my bishop has approved my doctoral studies. Yay! So um, you're going to be doctor, father, father, doctor. How's that? I believe work? it's Reverend Doctor is the Reverend offic- Doctor. Yes. How fancy! <clears throat> Reverend Doctor Master. To, I am looking up on Amazon if I can buy monocles for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, I should. I'll have to get a a, a, a nice twirly mustache as well. And I can just, I have a monocle and a trolley mustache. I can just always go, yes, yes. I believe St. Thomas had this to say, yes. Um, You know what? Monocles are pretty um, reasonable. Let's see. (laughs) There's a silver monocle uh, right here for about nine bucks. Here's the thing. I'm not Amazon Prime. But I'm not a doctor yet. I know, but I'm just like, you know, I'm just looking. Okay. Um, okay. They got fancier ones. What is mo- <laughs> Monocle Madness? Silver Monocle? That's like 30 bucks. Did you have this idea just now, or was this in the back of your Literally brain? Literally just now. Okay. <laughs> I was struck with inspiration. It's funny. If you look up monocles on Amazon, they also show you top hats, which I think is, <laughs> is And great. what about, like, canes? You know, not, but not, yeah, like, but like, uh, like, uh, not the, like, not the long-handled canes, but like the, the knob-handled right. canes. With okay, the little so what, tip at the bottom. When you when you look up monocles on Amazon.com, uh, there's a few steampunk monocles, a few like seemingly practical monocles. Uh, there's a pipe, uh, a pipe that pops up, smoking pipe, um, and top hats. And also, I see a P.T. Barnum cosplay costume. <laughs> so it's all around that time. Oh, ah, there we go. We got fake mustaches. Oh, good. Uh, so it all, it's all very on brand. I will uh, I will keep searching, though, because I want to get you a nice one. Okay, once thank you. Become a doctor. Thank you. Uh, what are you, you going to study? What, what, what uh, so are you going to learn about? The field I'm going to be looking into is called theological anthropology. So it's the theology of the human person. A Ooh, topic uh, not foreign, though uh, surprisingly distant in our podcast history here. I know we gotta do another yeah, episode on theology of the human yeah. person soon. So that's gonna. I so my bishop was very good though about this because we are very, very, very short on priests in our diocese. In fact, I think I want to say a good sixty or seventy percent of our priests are getting moved around this this year, mm-hmm. and four priests are now going to be in charge of two parishes, and we're going to have now five or six parishes without priests. Without priests, yeah, yeah. So one of the duties that are going to, and I'm going to be talking about this with the parish, is one of my duties is going to be going down to the west coast of the island once a month on the weekend. So we're going to have to have late communion services in my parish once a month so that Mm -hmm. I can be available to go to a place where they literally have mass never. Um, So there's that going. So that's being thrown my way too. I just found out today I'm also promoter of vocations now. Vocation director. Yes. Nice. So, but, and I actually, I, I plan on using my Twitter for good on this one. Uh, I hope if I can say to my bishop, I got five vocations over my span, my tenure as vocations promoter through Twitter. I think that's a huge win. 
So this is de- yes. <laughs> that Twitter, it, it'll be proof that Twitter is actually a good thing because it's literally bringing priests to save people's souls. So that's a good thing. And then yeah. uh, they're meeting this afternoon, but I'm. It's like ninety nine point nine percent a given. I'll also be on the Council of Priests. The Council of Priests is that as fancy as it sounds? Uh, it's like it's kind of like a parish council, but with the bishop and priest instead. Uh, so you tell the bishop what to do? No, no, because parish councils are advisory bodies if you read your canon law. Oh, okay. So we're there to advise the bishop on different things mm-hmm. in the diocese. So, uh, yeah, so uh, my doctoral studies, I, I, it's a distance program, so it works out really well. I only have to be away a couple weeks a year uh, to go to the UK for a couple weeks of residency. But otherwise, I just kind of do the work on my own while I'm in the parish. So it's going to be a lot of... A lot of stuff being thrown my way, but I'm actually kind of excited. It's forcing me to get my life in order quickly in a good way. Um, and I'm getting my, like, I've been really good already this week about just making sure I get my holy hour in right away in the morning. Instead oh, yeah, of absolutely. just whenever I feel like it during the day, because I just yeah. need to get these things, because that needs to be the first priority of my day so that all the other things I need to do, that doesn't get sacrificed. Yeah, I've noticed that too with myself, even though I would rather pray in the evening. Yeah. It's just too risky to put off the holy hour. Yeah. Like if I don't do it, even if I'm like, it's better to do it, I think for me, mm-hmm. sleepy and in the morning rather than risk yeah. not doing it all that day. Exactly. So yeah. Well, like last night after our CIA was um, finished, I had this kind of inspiration to go pray for a bit. And I went to pray for a bit, but I didn't feel like guilty leaving at a certain time because I had already kind of committed to my, like I went to pray. I was like, okay, yeah. that's that's good. I think I want to go watch some TV now. But that was like more above and beyond what my normal commitment is that I want to do every day. So it's actually a good thing because then I can go pray in the evening, not feel like I have to fit my hour in and be there really tired. I'm tired in the morning too, but it's different. So yeah, yeah. so it's just forced me to get life very, very organized very, very quickly. So everyone's Excellent. prayers will be very much appreciated and pray especially for vocations to our diocese. And I'm throwing it out there already. If you are a man and you are thinking about priesthood and you want to go serve where there are no priests and you want to help bring the sacraments to people who are desiring and wanting the sacraments, talk to me. I will be happy. Email me at the podcast account. Talk to me on Twitter. I'm always happy to have that conversation. That's awesome. And everybody I know is already super excited because we're going to change our name from Clerically Speaking to Ratzinger Speaking because you, that's what you'll be talking about every single time you pick a topic and it'll be great. It's why well, I, I was kind of joking about, I had a few people say that is the most on-brand thesis topic for me. And I was like, it's yeah, utterly it, unsurprising. Yeah, it's totally not surprising. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of tweets and podcast topics about that. It'll be great. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm excited too. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things that aren't surprising, because whenever we have this podcast, the second segment is the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. The Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. And first up is from our friend Caitlin at T with Token, and her tweet says this, Me is able to focus in prayer one time. Also me, I am a mystic now. <laughs> Which I love this. Yeah. Because, you know, anyone who prays, Anyone who prays struggles with prayer, right? There's this kind of like, I think this idea that at one point in time, you like won't struggle with prayer. And in a certain sense, it does get easier. It gets easier the more consistent you are. It definitely gets easier. Mm -hmm. But this has happened to me as well. Like where you like just have a good time at prayer, 
like you're physically awake. You've got the caffeine running in your brain mm-hmm. and you're focusing and you're able to hear God and it's good. And all of a sudden, like I am a mystic. I'm the most holy person ever. I am set. I am ready to go. And whenever I get into that space, it'll be like the next day. Mm-hmm. Like prayer is dry. I just drag myself through it. I feel miserable. Yep. I think sometimes that's God removing some consolation because I get kind of prideful. I'm not saying tea with token gets prideful in prayer but that tweet made me think of like that kind of dynamic where we need to remember that all prayer is a gift from god anything we get from it is a gift from god it's not like our effort or our strength right and not just that it's um it's also uh yeah like you're kind of saying there this is a habit that is built through the gift from god right so it, it it's a joking way to say you don't become a mystic because of one point. You become a mystic because of consistent, over the span of years, devotion to God. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was... You I, just make I yourself had, available. I had a great, great laugh. All, right. All right, so uh, I'll type it in here in a second. Uh, from Joy Clark- Clarkson at Join Us the Brave. The matchmaking priest is at it again. This time, he walked up to some unsuspecting bloke, looked into his eyes and said... You know the spring formal this week? You should take her gestures at me. Why not? And then pressured said bloke into retrieving me a drink. Ah, inspiring. And then she goes on in her next tweet. For context, the last time I encountered this priest, he graciously ushered me around the room and introduced me to all the available men like I was a debutante at some <laughs> at her at her first social appearance. So much respect. I did not request this, but take this as a sign of fatherly affection. If this is not what the priesthood is, I don't know what the priesthood is, folks. Wait, wait, wait. Time out, though. Time out, though. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm glad this works out well for her, but I can see this being a disaster as well. I'm sure like she has a, a bit of a relationship with this priest. Right. And that's important. And that's good. Yeah. It'd be a little but creepy like, if some priest's like, oh, she looks single. All right. Uh, you know, let's get her in touch with that guy over there. Yeah. Right. Like, like if the priest knows both of the people, then that's cool. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, to be honest, a lot of uh, single Catholics, sometimes, I'm not saying this is this is her, but in general, a lot of times single Catholics are like, oh, no, I can't find my vocation, but they never go on dates yeah, or anything. Exactly. And so, like, sometimes you just need a priest to be like, hey, hey, you two, you're both Catholic and both not weird. Yeah. Go on a date. Exactly. I think that's a good way to go about um, I think listeners of the show, Eric and Maria, good friends of mine, this is how it happened. A priest buddy of mine basically told them to go out and now they're married and they have a kid. Yeah, so I've, I've, these things are, do happen and they are good. I have been the happy influencer of a few marriages. <laughs> and Father Harrison, influencer of marriages. Hey, hey. Well, anyways, uh, but you know, it, it, it's it's. I think it's a good thing though because it shows the priesthood sees the beauty of marriage. It understands its importance. And wants to help it. And I just thought it was a beautifully funny way of her describing the whole thing. And yeah. it's, like, it's like, but yeah, it's like, why not? Give yeah. it a shot. And it doesn't work. Great. Okay, fine. You had a, you had a date. It didn't work out. Great. Move on to the next one. Right. Yeah. It's dating in my opinion is kind of like science. You just got to experiment over and over again until you get the right result. <laughs> That's how science works. Right. If, yeah, and if yeah, we are yeah. a scientific culture, then we should be right. scientific about our dating, which means start dating, start mm-hmm. asking people out, don't be afraid of no, and just do yeah. it, and then maybe a marriage will come out of it. Make sure you take copious notes while dating yes. people's responses. Yes. Uh, make sure you get a... Um, uh, oh, I was going to do a whole oh. joke, but I forgot the word okay. for like the when you do an experiment, and then there's the one, like the neutral... Thing and then you do experiment on the other thing. The like the placebo effect almost. Not the placebo effect, but what's the the control? The control. There you there go. You. you should be dating one person who's the control, and then you continue to date other people who you experiment on, try different ways of dating them, and that's what. <laughs> so you're, isn't you're, that you're, what you're saying? So, so you're 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 promoting multiple <laughs> relationships at once. I think that's Father what you're Anthony, doing. I just want to be scientific Anthony, about vocations. That is like one mode of doing science. That is one mode of doing science. Uh, <laughs> The uh, oh, I was just gonna say, but yeah, like this is—I don't know about you. This is a phrase I—I'm discerning about asking this girl out. No, it's either you ask her out or you don't. There's <laughs> right, no discernment yeah. involved here because you're not gonna be able to discern anything about the person until you actually get to know them. Like, yeah. so and oh, okay, 
I, okay, I'm just going to go off on a rant here for a second. I <laughs> do it. Okay. Yeah. Little dating tips from your friends at Clerically Speaking. Guys, you see a girl who you think is interesting. Don't overthink it. Don't over-emotionalize it. Don't think about the 20 steps that are involved going forward. Because you're thinking, don't think, am I going to marry this person right away? Which is what a lot of guys often do. Ask her for coffee. And that's it. And it's just coffee. It's nothing else. It's coffee. It doesn't have any other meaning. Mm -hmm. Ladies, if a guy asks you out for coffee, it's just coffee. (laughs) It's some coffee beans with some hot water in it. Maybe a bit of milk and sugar. That's all it is. It's a means for seeing if a friendship or a relationship can go from there. It's just coffee. Don't imbue it with the weight that you are because this is why no one asks anyone out on dates because they're afraid of people being uh, putting too much importance in it or they're overthinking it because of other people putting too much importance in it. It's just coffee. Yep. And like, don't get me wrong. Or either of us wrong. It's not saying it's like super easy to ask someone out no, because you get nervous and you're just fear of rejection. That's all normal, but that's the cross that single people have to bear at the same time. Something that's helpful is not making it a bigger deal than it is. And you, you gotta do it because God doesn't magically like zap you with vocation. He doesn't yeah. like wave a magic wand and then all of a sudden it's easy. Like you have a part in this process. So yeah. Exactly. I agree. Cool. Good job. Okay. All right. Now that we fixed all the single Catholics problems, let's go to a crazy problem. This is from at Schleicher Liz. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. This is intense. Okay. So y'all, I need priestly guidance immediately. Someone in a Facebook group I'm linked into, uh, an Etsy seller, which is a Satanist shop selling what they claim are consecrated hosts, like 27 of them specifically listed to for um, liturgy, ritually, uh, ritual abuse. So basically she's saying that she found an Etsy shop, someone selling consecrated hosts, our Eucharistic Lord, so that they can be abused in satanic um, occult practices. So a lot of things about this tweet. When you need priestly guidance immediately, don't go to Twitter. If you need priestly guidance immediately, the first thing you should do is call your parish. And if you're panicking about something like that, like you should go to your priest or call your diocese, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily, I mean, I am very online, so I'm aware of that. And other priests are sometimes a little bit too much too, but like talk to a priest who is closer to you. That's one mm-hmm. thing. And when I saw this tweet, which was uh, later on, a few things popped into my head. Uh, one, we have no idea if what this Etsy seller is saying is true. Right. Because I can imagine a great way to scam Catholics would be just to buy a bunch of unconsecrated hosts, mm-hmm. which is not a difficult thing to do. So you buy a whole Tupperware container of those things, you sell them 27 or whatever, like 30 a piece at like, I don't know, 50 bucks, and you can make a lot of money scamming Catholics. That was my first thought. The second thought is if this person is in the occult, maybe they're trying to trap Catholics. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're putting a curse on them. Mm-hmm. which is something that they may do. So just even handling them or having them around would not be a safe thing to do. Third option is that they're actually stolen, consecrated hosts. Right. So um, I'm not sure. A lot of times um, dioceses, dioceses will know the kind of satanic activity in their diocese. Like I know for us, we kind of know where this stuff is going on. We There's records of it. Hmm. So maybe that diocese, if you can locate that, they might know whether or not this is potentially real or potentially not. Yeah. You know, maybe that's it. And then um, uh, what else was I going to say? Yeah. And also uh, we have to make sure we're vigilant at hmm. mass. Like yeah. you got, this is the reason why you lock tabernacles and have alarms on tabernacles. This is why- Alarms on tabernacles? The, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that. I've, had, I've never yeah, heard Yeah, we have that. alarms on at least one in my seven parishes. and my other parish, there was alarms on it as well. Wow. If you don't turn off the alarm in the sacristy, if someone tries to open it up, it'll just be Oh, you mean be into alarm. the church. I thought you like, it meant taking like, an alarm specifically on the tabernacle. Oh, I did. I did it. It's oh. specifically on the tabernacle. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, I'm learning something new. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Um, and this is why, you know, when you receive the host, you should receive it, consume it immediately to stop goofy stuff like this from happening. Because it is, it is something that does happen. I don't think it's super common, but it does happen, and we have something we have to watch out for. So, a few things. First, I'm going to say something a little controversial here. Well, do it for some do of it, us. Do it'll it, be do it, do it, do it, do it. Shut up! <laughs> Every time you do that, it gets you in trouble. Okay. I get real excited whenever you hesitate because you're about to say something that's going to produce excellent content. <laughs> it might, it, it it might be wrong. It might be no, right. No, you're gonna agree. You're gonna is, agree with me on this one. Uh, for is, those who don't content. know, actually, in Rome, when the Pope is saying Mass now, it is required to receive on the tongue. What? Yeah. Pope Francis makes you receive on the tongue. Yes, he does. Because, Francis. because of issues like this, people walking yeah. away from the host. Some people, it's just tourists. I want a souvenir of a papal mass, yeah. which is just nuts in so many ways. Some people, it's okay. This is a large crowd. It's very easy to pocket a host, and I can take it for satanic practices. So um, this may be another reason why we should maybe possibly encourage communion on the tongue because it takes mm-hmm. it. It doesn't remove it completely. But it significantly reduces the chances of the Eucharist being stolen. Yeah, it's, um, it's just a practical step. Second thing is, so this is a question. This is more just a question. I was, as you're as you're saying this, well, there, sorry, two more observations. One is, yeah, this is, this is why I have, I'm hesitant about putting these things on Twitter because it actually gives a this person a profile, and yeah. it might give other people the same idea who never thought of it before, and it actually increases yeah. the activity of it. So I'm not I'm not saying. Lizzie was was like wrong with this or anything like that. It's just you know we, it's why we need to be when it's like really serious stuff like this. We should be really um, discerning about how we want to find out information about this. Or say, hey, Twitter priest, I have a really really important question about sacrilege. Can one of you DM me, right, and tag us or mm-hmm. something, and then we DM yeah. you. That way, it's kept a bit more private. Um, stuff like that is maybe so. This is more general. We don't know this sometimes. So that might be a good idea to think about in the future. The other thing is, though, you're talking about like hexes and curses on on the host. Is that possible with the Eucharist? Uh, for, I was uh, I was thinking uh, there might be a, a curse on an unconsecrated host. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that was my thought. Uh, okay. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm almost positive. There's no way you could like curse yeah. a consecrated. That's our, you, you can't curse our Eucharistic Lord. Yeah. Like, that's impossible. My thought was that uh, they could just buy a whole box of them. And then right, yeah, curse okay. them that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, something cool. like that. Yeah, cool. Uh, okay, so this one's this is a multi-person in a tweet thing because three two days ago you tweeted, mm-hmm. but Father, the schools schedule sports on Sunday. Yes, yes. because we let them. Right, uh, you are being a little prescient uh, about a future announcement. But then someone, uh, Michael Palmquist at m palmquist five hundred nine says process around the fields chanting imprecatory prayers and sprinkling blessed salt until sunday games are canceled and then to complete this whole great thing the archdiocese of detroit after much prayer the detroit archbishop at detroit archbishop has announced in his most recent pastoral note that competitive athletic programs in the grade and high school levels are called to no longer play games to conduct practices on the or conduct practices on the Lord's Day. Yeah. I presume he's talking about their Catholic schools. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, he doesn't have power or anything. I mean, I think he would like want yeah. no schools to do that. Yeah. But um, what a yeah. very interesting you kind of were prescient of a diocese's decision. I know. I don't know why did I I tweeted that something about something about Sundays. Yeah. And I this is something because a pressure came up to me at one point in time and said, you know, why don't you go to the schools and talk with the academic or sort of the sports coordinators and tell them not to have stuff on Sundays. Yeah. And I said that's not going to do anything. You know the reason why they have sports on Sundays is because the parents let them. Yeah. Because their kids will still go play mm-hmm. that's why like you know the reason why um catholics can't take off work on holy days is because we never try to we never ask mm-hmm. if you know we if we actually as catholics just did these things and sacrificed a little bit then that changes policy it's not a priest saying something so that's why i i did that um and most um, when i'm talking about that i'm saying like practices competitive games that get in the way of mass and celebrating the lord's day i think there's something different if you're like playing like pickup basketball on a sunday 
I think that's a great thing. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. That's you know leisure recreation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these sports things have so much pressure. Um, and yeah, I'm really proud uh, of that bishop. It's a small yeah. thing, but it's kind of putting our money where our where our doctrine is. Yeah. And saying, hey, we actually think this is important, so we're actually going to act like that. Yeah. He's not canceling sports. Yeah. He's just saying not on Sunday. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's good to be back in the regular flow of the show, so we're on to now Patreon Pontifications. Patreon Pontifications. You support us, we read your tweets. Patreon Pontifications, please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for our equipment, just like it did uh, a few weeks ago when we bought our new microphones and we used them for last episode when we had all those priests on the podcast. The reason why they sounded so good was because we had this new equipment. Except. And we're going to except, – except what? They didn't listen to my instructions sometimes. Well, to be Speak fair – Speak into the microphone. To, to be fair, we didn't read the spreadsheet, so there was a lot of not listening this is to what instructions working going on priests, that week. Folks, priests are horrible. <laughs> if you ever go to a diocesan celebration, it's like herding cats to get all the priests to listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, money goes to equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage. Just so you know, producer Nick, he produces his podcast, he edits it, he does a lot of our social media stuff. He has also done something else, which I'll mention in a moment. Any money that goes beyond that is donated to the Missionaries of Charity. So go to patreon.com slash speaking to have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast, and also... To everyone who is a Patreon subscriber and anyone who will subscribe up until the end of May, we will be sending you guys stickers. We finally have, clerically speaking, stickers. And they are nice. nice. They're not like like little weak sauce paper stickers. Yep. They're like there's like a like a, a thickness and a quality to them. Which which one's They're better? Good. The Memento Mori sticker or the clerically speaking sticker? Well, I would never pick a fight with religious sisters, so um, I would probably say the Memento Mori sticker is good. <laughs> also, <laughs> our sticker is the best, and I think that's—I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I, I will accept that. And I, I, well, I, that <laughs> so Bishop Umbers was begging us for stickers for World Youth Day, which we unfortunately couldn't get them to him in time. And then, yeah, uh, we we announced it this morning, so I tagged him because he's going to Rome in June for his ad limina uh-huh. visit. So I said, would you like some stickers to give to the Pope? That would be ridiculous. <laughs> that would be amazing. He goes, of course, because I don't know if we, I don't know how to translate Summa Tweetologica. And I said, well, it's in Latin. You don't need to translate it for him. He speaks Latin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would, I would, I would literally fall down dead if I found out the Pope Got a, received a, twe- a, a clerically speaking, speaking sticker. sticker. That would be. I would die. I would die. I would die too. Okay. So. <laughs> We do need to send Bishop Umber some stickers, though. We will. Yes. We will. We will. Um, uh, so, uh, more information on that in the future for our Patreon subscribers. But if you subscribe, we'll be sending them a- after May. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to give some people some more time to subscribe. Any amount of money that you are willing to offer is is just wonderful. And thank you guys so much because you've been really supportive. And it makes this job a lot easier. Uh, it helps uh, producer Nick out. And we're able to do cool stuff. And it's just awesome yeah. that you guys are so supportive. Okay. Y'all are good. This week's tweet comes from at Cape Girl 8, and she chose a tweet by at Katerin, Katerin, Katerin Tree. And the tweet goes like this. Around here, there are so many empty convents and schools. They're being sold to turn into loft apartments. What if instead we had communities of families and elderly religious sharing space and helping raise kids who have daily access to sacraments and sisters? In this proposal, I will... So that's the tweet. Okay. Um, so first of all, for those who are not familiar with Twitter speak, this is a meme format where you frame a tweet like you're about to begin an essay. So that's why the tweet cut off for those who are not you know up on that. And so this question is, um, with so many empty comments and schools that are being sold, what if we use them for communities of families and elderly religious sharing space and helping raise kids who have daily access to sacraments and sisters. So I think like the idea of forming not religious communities in the formal sense, but <laughs> but but religious communities. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's kind of like a it's kind of like a quasi parish format in a way, right? Like it's yeah. it's what this is what a parish is. 
except it's trying to be a bit more intentional about um everyone. people are living in one space exactly yeah yeah i mean that's always it's interesting it's always a question that comes up with catholics I always find, especially young adult Catholics, young families, they're always asking, like, should we just, like... And some of them, they may not have, like, intentional communities where they all kind of live in the same spot, but they do a lot of things together to at least yeah. form that intentional community. And I just always find it very interesting that this is, like, a a natural tendency of Catholics to want to do this. Yeah, like, I know uh, a group of young families that they always talk about and half joke about, all right, we're just selling all of our property, we're going to buy a farm, and we're all going to live on the farm. Mm-hmm. And that way they can raise their kids and teach their kids and have it this be a space. Um, and I think you hear that kind of stuff more and more because as culture gets so weird and so difficult. Um, so I understand the appeal of that. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that's not unheard of in our tradition. Right. To kind of form intentional communities in this sort of way. Um, but I think for most people, it still ends up being more talk than action. and Because that's a tough thing to do. Um, and... The church has always been a little hesitant around it for a few reasons, and part of it is it's very rare these experiments turn out well. Why? Uh, I'm just thinking like out loud of examples. Um, like I know Christopher West was part of a kind of a bit of a commune, Catholic commune when he was a child, hmm. and that didn't really work out um, because the problem is leadership. Um, who, yeah. who's in charge it, these places can tend to attract certain types of people who can abuse their power uh, very mm-hmm. easily um, there has to be a very intentional I find ecclesial um, role of governance in all of this to make it work properly it's good that these things come up organically but um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing because historically they just usually haven't worked out yeah, I think there has to be yeah a connection to the the larger diocese. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, there's always a danger in having these kind of intense communities if they're small communities because they become these kind of weird pressure yeah. cookers. Yeah, I remember like how difficult it was being in a seminary with like twelve guys. It was very very difficult. It yeah. was much easier to be in a seminary of like eighty guys. Yeah, um, it was more natural. There was more natural sort of community and uh, that sort of thing. When you have those smaller ones, then that those can kind of get warped and weird. Yeah. Small things become very large things mm-hmm. to get blown out of proportion. Um, so it's not like the concept is is a bad one, uh, but it has to be done well. But it's interesting. I think it's just an interesting thing to notice that a lot of especially young Catholics are talking more and more about this. Yeah. I think it's something that's interesting to just observe. Yep. Cool. All right. Thanks at Cape Girl for choosing at Catherine Trees tweets. Now it's time for some presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. Quite yes. good, quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Oh, yes. Yes, quite. Yes, quite. So, a few days ago, I think it was producer Nick who was like, hey, guys, what would you like us to talk about? What are some topic ideas? And we got all kinds of really neat ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but some of these things... They end up being just questions or topics where there's no way we can do like a 25 minutes, 30 minute, whatever segment on them. They're shorter ones. And I was like, okay, how about we try today to tackle as many of these as we can? Mm -hmm. You ready? Yeah. All right. So let's do it. So first question is about cyborgs because I figured we have to start with the cyborg question, right? Because you're a cyborg. Okay. Uh, uh, No, 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 no. No, I'm pretty sure you are. I'm pretty sure. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. How can you tweet this much? How do you have this many followers? <laughs> Only a so cyborg can do this. Folks, you <laughs> heard it here first. Father Anthony phone. is a cyborg. <laughs> Only someone who had their phone literally implanted uh-uh. in their brain could possibly tweet as much as me. Uh, I, I'm going to have to take that to prayer. Uh, okay, so. Uh, do cyborgs cyborgs pray? Cyborgs. Cyborgs. Okay, so like, um, so this person said, um, sticking a human brain in a robot, obviously bad, right? Yes. You don't want to do goofy stuff like that. That's, I mean, just if you have any kind of Catholic intuition, you know that that's Mm -hmm. bad. But how much robot stuff can you put in a person with it being okay? Like how cyborg-ish can you get and still have that be an okay thing? Do you have any immediate ideas? Because I've got plenty. I've got plenty too. Um, Okay. My idea is first 
the body, you know, again, like I hear these questions and I think we think about the body in a kind of mechanistic way. And it's, so it's like, it's coming out of a certain metaphor. Like it's coming out. Of, it, it's not a bad question. I'm just saying like, I'm just letting people understand like what's happening here is the modern metaphysics is at play in the question. And we may not even realize it sometimes mm-hmm. at the heart of the Christian message of the human person is the idea that even the body itself is a gift. Yeah. So if something's a gift, it's to be received. It's, and it also, because if we say we can manipulate the body however we want, then we're seeing the body in a mode that the soul, the body is really just the plaything of the soul. And my soul is my true self. Um, because where it can get really weird is that people can do, I mean, people already do augmentations for self-expression and stuff like this, right? Yeah. And again, it's this idea that the body is really just my, my canvas to express myself with. Um, right. So these are always concerns I have with that. I would say the only legitimate augmentation that I can honestly think of would be um, for medical necessity. Right. So, what, so like, like, what does that mean? Like uh, if someone has an amputated leg, that they have a prosthetic leg attached or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and any other ways to help make walking normal, that would not be a problem. But it's because it's, it's, it's actually playing into the idea of the giftedness of our of our nature and trying to help experience that giftedness of our full human nature um Mm -hmm. but if it's like i want to have robotic arms so i can be super strong to lift a whole bunch of stuff why that's that's starting to get into the realm of manipulation and you're going to be mutilating the gift of your body Mm -hmm. for the sake of augmentation and that you'd never mutilate a gift right um i'm very i'm very hesitant but what about this idea what about some sort of implant after you get baptized that would uh shock you anytime you went into a protestant church i think that'd be very practical. i got a better idea or or no, okay, no, no. good it would shock you when instead of getting out of bed to go to mass on sunday you're thinking i'm thinking i'm gonna stay in bed and watch some <laughs> nfl football and it shocks you until you get into a church where there'll be sensors <laughs> that recognize that you have this and it'll turn it off for you for the rest of the week right until, yeah, or until the next like that, day of obligation Oh, that's Very totally okay. That, but that's that's about experiencing the gift, really. We're gifting right, you right. with suffering. <laughs> but seriously, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. If it's remedying an evil, if there's a, a lack in the human body, like something that could and should be there, like if there's a serious burn, like cosmetic surgery to repair that, I think is just fine. Uh, pacemaker for the heart, I think is fine. Um, there's some really neat um, technology now for people who have lost limbs. That stuff is fine. Yeah. But yeah, once it's becoming uh, either purely um, unnecessarily like cosmetic or for expression, treating the body like a plaything, that's no good. Right. So yep. Cool. Okay. All right. So, so next one. Let me do the next one. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So why must Catholics be buried, but saints are chopped up and sent everywhere? Why, Father Anthony? Okay, so uh, the church, uh, the practice uh, is that when you die, you should be buried, or at least interred somewhere. So like a mausoleum, you're not technically buried, but you're put away uh, somewhere. And the idea behind that is that we see the body as sacred. So we don't want, traditionally the problem with cremation and why for a long time the church didn't want cremation is because of the thought process behind it that the body should be destroyed or that's how the body reaches heaven somehow with smoke whatever and those ideas were contrary to the catholic faith so for a long time we were saying hey no uh cremation now we allow cremation because there isn't that same understanding i still struggle with cremation, cremation to be honest Sure. Uh, we can get into this a little bit more, uh, but it's, it is allowed. Yeah. And uh, but the idea is that still those cremains are to be <clears throat> just like a body, either buried or put in a mausoleum. Right. All right. So, <clears throat> and this is really important because um, I know a story of um, a family uh, who they had uh, the cremains in their house, mm-hmm. and uh, very unfortunately, the house caught fire and they lost everything. Mm-hmm including the cremains of their loved one. Right. And like, that's such, like such a tragedy. Yeah. You know, um, it's important to put that away. Uh, so, and the idea, yeah, that the body is sacred and it's kind of awaiting the resurrection because when we are resurrected, we don't know exactly how this works, but we know that this is what happens. Our resurrected body will be in some sense, our body. Right. It'll be ours. Okay. So there's a lot of like emphasis put on 
the body. That's right. why you bury it. That's why you put it away. Okay. Why did I say all that? Oh, okay. Um, so with saints, why do we chop them up and send them everywhere? Uh, it's because it's because we're, we're, we're a bunch of weirdos. I don't know. Why do we do that? I was kind of explaining this last night to our RCA group because we're having the relics of St. Anthony of Padua come to our diocese in October. And, cool. And so I was saying, you know, this seems like a weird thing to some people, but it's really not. Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday who lost their son and how they got the fingerprints of their son uh, from the funeral home or whatever. And how yeah. like the mom just likes to touch the fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are by nature we really try to fight this with modernism, but with our by our nature we are sacramental creatures and we need to touch physical things. I mean, uh, my favorite example is sports. You know, in sports collectibles, people don't the real collectors don't just buy a jersey of their favorite player. Well, uh, like Cindy Crosby. Okay, mm-hmm. um, they it has to be game worn. Yeah, that has more meaning because it touched his body, um, right. which is or even really just weird. like signed by him. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, it, which is weird because like you know how sweaty that is. Have you smelled yeah. hockey equipment before? Hockey, <laughs> hockey players <laughs> are super gross. Yes, but it's just weird. It's just it's just natural tendency in us to want to touch things to feel close to them. Yeah, right. Or and even just so, visiting your loved one right. at um, at a cemetery, like so people do that on anniversary. Right. So it's a service to the whole church that these people who we know are in heaven, their bodies are like the difference between someone who's buried is we don't know if they're in heaven, so we pray for them, and so we keep. But these other ones, we know they're in heaven, so it's a service to the whole church to have a connection with something that's really holy. Because if they're a saint, not just in their soul, they're a saint in the body as well. And so that body has been sanctified, and this is the body that will be raised up on the last day. Yeah. And how God's going to do? I'm sure. I always have this vision of like tiny fragments of um, of the bones of different saints are going to be flying across the planet at the resurrection <laughs> of the body. Who knows how it's all going to work? Uh, yeah. But it's kind of the reason. It's just, it's a sense of of universalizing the saint for the whole church to be able. Well, because we can't get to Rome. And that was kind of what happened initially. It wasn't a little, it was kind of actually a continuation of, if I remember, Father Alec would be able to correct me on this, but initially they would take large pieces of a saint and just distribute them around who couldn't get near that saint. But yeah. then that's, as civilization grew, they started to chop them up into smaller pieces because it was kind of the same logic. Maybe we've taken it to a bit of excess because like some of the pieces are so small now, it's almost like negligible. Yeah. Right? It's not like a big piece of bone. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got actually a relic on my desk of uh, St. Um, uh, Therese of Lisieux, and it's just a itty-bitty, itty-bitty piece. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, so if you're a saint, you're probably going to get chopped up so that more people can uh, ask for your prayers. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, this is a question that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, so how, basically, how much video games is too much video games? Or also, like, so how much time can you play spending video games with it being okay also stuff like single player versus multiplayer like is it better to be playing with friends than it is to go on this like long like eight hour story mm-hmm. or is that kind of like reading a book uh how much this gets into sloth how much is a waste of time so what's the morality of video games mm-hmm. so as someone who's played like a lot of video games in my life i've experienced it both as something that's kind of like a genuine refreshing leisure and something that's just kind of this numbing time waster so i think it's good to put limits on the time Mm -hmm. in your video games Mm -hmm. so it's going to be different when you play a video game like it's like a it's a different medium Mm -hmm. than tv so you might watch like a 22 minute sitcom and then you're done you're fine um, video games is a different medium. It's more like watching a movie. You might spend maybe two hours at a time playing it. I think that's okay. But you need to ask yourself, a good way to, to check is like, okay, what about the other aspects of your life? Are you praying every day? And if you're not praying every day, but you're playing hours of video games every day, then yeah, then that's a problem. Also, we spend so much time in front of screens that adding video games to all that can really make it difficult to pray because it puts our brains in this weird space where it's hard to focus Mm -hmm. it's hard to enter into silence when all we're doing is looking at screens so it's for me it's kind of like everything else you have to kind of know yourself and be really honest with yourself 
uh, and uh, use use temperance in that. Um, I think it's okay to play a long single single player game because a lot of times they are story driven and a lot of fun that way. Um, but I've also think like the value of playing video games with other people, especially if you can do it in the same room, mm-hmm. is great. Um, I have like lots of uh, fond memories of being with my friends. It's just like kind of playing a board game, except it's a video game, um, or also connecting with people. Uh, that way, I think is a good thing too. So, kind of like everything else, you gotta know yourself. Yeah, and I think when it comes to stuff. Yeah, I I'm not a huge video game guy. I like playing them. I kind of go through phases where I can go months without playing them. Then I'll play them for a bit. But I don't get like uh, my addictive sense for video games has long gone away. But where I think a good question with this is in discernment is with children. Because children... Oh, should kids play video games? Because children's brains are very different than adult brains. Yeah. And they're they're very apt to addiction uh, very quickly. Because children don't have the reasoning faculties yet to discern, should I be doing this right now? Um, and so I think where the moral question becomes in, it's like, if you're finding that your kid has to play five or six hours a day then maybe actually video games is not a good idea at this age range yeah, honestly i agree i mean i i struggle with it i i don't i mean i don't have kids so i can't say per se but it's like it's like things are on screen time and stuff the more i i see it because i've seen how screen time even affects me as an adult i just think how hard that must be on kids and and what what it can do to their development and stuff like that and there's been psychological studies on this too right so Mm -hmm. if you find your kids cannot um survive without spending hours playing video games as hard as it might be you might actually have to say no for now yeah i don't i'm I'm not the parent but i'm just i think it's i think think it's it's a question that we should should ask yeah yeah all right uh how to examine your conscience uh, well, Father Anthony, as a cyborg, has a formula that goes through his head, so it just kind of automatically does it for him. Yeah, like all my sins are automatically logged into my computer brain. Yeah. It's really convenient, actually. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. And then I take all my sins after confession, I take them into the, the, the trash can, yeah. and I press empty yeah. on the screen, and then all my sins are gone. And and you I, forget I them all. You forget them all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for regular people, Father Harrison, yes. how, how should for, they for, examine no, no, their conscience? Not regular people, for real people. Okay, fair enough. Cyborgs for real aren't people, real people. <laughs> who aren't cyborgs how does one examine your conscience before confession usually a church will have an examination of conscience that is a great place to start um as a confessor i would say often don't just focus on what you have done try to fo- find one thing where you feel you can grow in your spiritual life and you want to grow in it because that's where your real growth is going to happen it's not i mean not doing things is bad obviously but finding a place where you're lacking is where the real spiritual growth is going to come in through confession. So think about like, what's it? Do I need to pray more? Um, do I need to off, do more acts of charity towards others? Um, do I need to grow in my faith? What, what do I need to do to grow closer to God? <laughs> and confess, I'm not very good at this. That, as a confessor, I find that's always a very helpful key to understand a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the big thing for me is before your confession, the day before or the morning of, when you have some time, get a notepad and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your sins. Don't make this just be about your own powers. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your sins and spend a half hour in prayer thinking about that. And then going ahead and writing it down. I think this is especially uh, important for someone who hasn't done a great job of examining their conscience in the past or is new to confession. I think doing that, taking the time to do it. The biggest problem is a lot of people don't take the time to do it. And then they don't actually ask God to reveal to them their sins. Because he will. He will. He revealed to the, uh, the person the sins I need to confess. So that's my big thing. And then if you, if you want to bring in that piece of paper into confessional, go ahead. But when you leave, rip it up, set it on fire, throw it down a, a, a garbage disposal, uh, paper shredder, like get rid of it because your sins are gone. That piece of paper should be gone too. So I've heard horror stories of confession services where priests have asked people to write everything down. Oh no. To place it in the basket. No! And then their sins are forgiven. 
Don't put the confessions in the basket. No, no. that's a very bad idea, folks. Like, very, that's not how. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Uh, but uh, seriously, too, I would uh, one thing I would actually recommend looking up is uh, Saint Ignatius's Examine. That's a great thing to do every day at the end of the day. It's got five steps. You ask God for oh, you ask yeah. God you ask God for light. You give thanks to him for the gifts of your day. Then you look over your day, and you're always looking over your day with the eyes of Jesus. Like you're asking Jesus, let me see things through your eyes. So then it helps you see, okay, I did this well. So you're honest. Hey, okay, yeah, I worked with God in this. But then it actually helps you face your sins and your shortcomings as well. And then you re repent of them, and then you can say, uh, you can say, hey, okay, let's go to the next day now. Mm. So, yeah, cool. Um, so this next one, this one, I actually, I want, I want, I was kind of, when they dropped, I was like, that's actually a really cool question that I, I, it's kind of always on my heart to kind of share a little bit because sometimes we just don't know, um, gifts for priests or how can ladies support the clergy? Uh, this actually came from, I'm forgetting who it was right now. I'm rec I'm remembering the face, but I'm forgetting the Twitter handle. Anyways, uh, she's a lay consecrated person, uh, in the church. Uh, so, which is awesome. So thank you for your gift to the church. Um, but just say, yeah, how, I think that was coming like, yeah, what, what can we do to support the clergy? Because, you know, we, we, you know, priests are always, it's true. Our nature is to give like that is the role of the clergy. We're there to give, but what are things that priests often appreciate, I guess, a little bit yeah, uh, to help. And I think there are some ways that you can support your clergy. And number one way is obviously to pray for them every day. And, oh, yes, maybe, and, maybe, and, and, and seriously, if you can't even request mass for them outside their parish, Hmm. Because it'll get really yeah. weird if Father, pr if I'm praying masses for myself all the time, uh, <laughs> people yeah. get like, pray, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, sorry, and, and pray for something specific. Yeah, like for example, let's say your priest, you love him, but he's a bad preacher. Pray for his preaching, or your priest, your your parish is going through some kind of difficulty. Pray for that priest with regards to that difficulty, or uh, pray for his prayer. Or something, something. Pray for something specific for your priest. Yeah, I think it's a very good thing. Um, and even like getting a group of people to do that is 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 great. Mm -hmm. um, to to pray something specifically for your priest, uh, I'm always very grateful when I hear people are praying for me because yeah. we we can't do this on our own. We yeah. really need um, uh, prayers. Yeah. I, the next thing I would add is um, seriously, folks. You know, yes, priest lives are busy. But at the heart of our work, we just want to be invited into your house. If my days were filled with just pastoral visits, uh, knowing getting to know my parishioners more, that'd be the best thing ever. At least that's at least that's personally me, at least. But uh, that is, uh, it's hard. It's hard for priests to fit to think. Okay, who can I call up this week to go visit or whatever? And um, parishioners sometimes can think, oh well, Father's too busy. I don't want to to burden him with this. But we're yeah, we, we get busy, but we want to do stuff like this. Now, sometimes we can't say yes all the time because we have different things, but inviting us into your house is a great way for us to get to know you. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, or I, I can, one of my favorite things here I, I got is I have Italian parishioner. She drops me off homemade um, bolognese sauce all the time. Not nice. And it's so delicious. It's so good. Um, <laughs> but... There's a couple other, I think there are a couple concrete events in the life of a priest that I think you should honor your priest on. Uh, because these, he has, the parish is his spouse. This is the day for you to honor him. And mm -hmm. he honors you by celebrating parish feast days, Christmas for you, Easter. Like, so there's ways he honors the parish. And then, so to kind of reciprocate that gift, there are, I have three days in my mind always. Celebrate his anniversary. See if you can take him out for lunch or dinner or get him a gift or a card at the very least to say, Father, thank you for the gift of your priesthood. Hmm. His birthday is a big one too. Um, and then the third one is Holy Thursday when the priesthood oh, yeah. is instituted. I think, you know, we don't have to shower stuff at priests all the time, but I think uh, speaking personally, if, if, if those three days were celebrated for me very authentically every year, I, I, that would be really rejuvenating for me and it always encourages me to want to sacrifice even more for my parish because that's a very human thing to do. And I think it's a very beautiful thing. What about you, Father Anthony? What do you 
think uh, I think all those things are are good and even if like sometimes it can be a lot of pressure to like cook dinner for a priest and you're not willing to do that because you're freaking out and maybe it'll be awkward then do something like more casual like uh, invite some fr- some other friends over mm-hmm. and your priest so so there's like a little bit more yep. like uh, room in the room to like dis- diffuse that social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And just like, oh, hey, uh, we're inviting a bunch of people over for, like, drinks or something. Yeah. Do something like that. Yeah. Maybe less pressure. Take him out for a beer. Uh, yeah. Or something like that. Or let him take you out for a beer. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, that can be good. Yeah. yeah. So it can be something, like, casual like that. Because sometimes I know, like, the idea of, like, cooking for your priest, like, freaks you out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's understandable. Uh, and anything you said was good. Um, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, or just, and, 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 no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, what gifts? What kind of gifts do you think? Because priests are notoriously hard to buy for. Yeah, uh, I would say um, if you get to know your priest, you may know something he would appreciate personally. Mm-hmm. So maybe something like that. Uh, if not that, then I would say something like an Amazon gift card, you know, uh, something like that. Um, if you see that a priest goes out to a certain restaurant all the time, I, I oh, here's one thing. I have so many gift cards to so many places that I rarely get to use because a lot of times, you know, when a priest is out to dinner, it's it's very nice. People will actually buy your meal. Mm-hmm. So you end up like not spending all these gift cards that you have. You right. try so hard and it's hard to do. Um, so maybe not that. But what, I mean, if you're ever worried about what to get your priest, like seriously, we are so thankful for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, the, really the gesture means yeah. so much because yeah. sometimes you're working and you're just doing stuff and you're wondering if, if it, any of it matters. Yeah. This is, you know, a temptation. And just... Knowing that someone like has thought of you and wanted to do something for you is great. So I'll just add, I would discourage chocolate because even people who are thinking about it, we often get too much chocolate that we can't possibly. My I often give it to my staff and other people in my parish because I literally cannot eat it all. It's impossible, especially around Christmas and, and Easter. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. the rectory becomes like a bake sale. So dude, I mean, like, I thought to say some people because I say that because we are someone will always give us chocolate, so it's not the end of the world. Um, but some cool things are like Amazon gift cards are huge for priests because guess what? Most yeah. priests actually like to learn more about their faith. So you're actually encouraging them to read up on their faith, which will then benefit you as a parishioner in their preaching and teaching and so forth. So Amazon gift cards is a great way to support your priest. Another fun way, honestly, it's stuff like beer and stuff like that because I, I don't know. I at least I'm I like beer. Beer and Amazon gift cards and I would be the happiest person in the world. All right. Uh, I'll say two things yeah. uh, just for me personally. One, I'm more more of a whiskey guy and even though I said you don't you don't need to bring your priests all kinds of baked goods, I could literally eat nut roll until I died and I would be happy. So get to know your priests. Maybe he has something specific they like. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's enough of yeah, that. Sorry, that. sorry. Um well, should we do one Let's more do, or should we do two more? Uh we should do one more because we're going Okay, let's see here. Let's just do let's just do yeah. one more that yeah. I really liked. Yeah. Just to finish it off. Yeah. Father Harrison. Yes. Would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Question. Okay. Have you seen Holy Grail? Yes. So, if a duck floats and wood floats, uh-huh. Would you use a hundred ducks? I had a, I had a whole bit here <laughs> around the ducks and the floating, and it just fell off. It was an ambitious joke. I was rooting for you. You know what scene I'm talking about, right? The witch scene. Yes, when they're trying to what, burn the witch. Which floats? Well, well, we should drown her. Well, well, which floats? Well, uh, a duck. Good. And what else floats? Wood. Oh, no, yes. no, 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 no. It's what else floats? Yeah. And then. King Arthur, yeah. or whoever uh, the character is, says, a duck. And everyone That's goes, right. ooh, because <laughs> with great wisdom, he knows that a duck floats. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, yes, yes. So that's where I was going with it, and it fell apart terribly. So, Nick, you decide whether or not you want to keep that. So, Father Harrison, <laughs> yes. would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Probably 100 duck-sized horses, because I could kick them all. That's what I'm thinking, too. Like, ducks are kind of... Because we're talking about winning, right? So what is the easiest way to win? Yeah, because I think a horse-sized duck would be terrifying. Yeah. And they could, like, like, fly around and, like, dive bomb you. They would just crush you. 
Yeah, it would be pretty. But like, terrifying. I could kick the I could kick the living crap out of a hundred. However, tiny um, duck. Wait, counter sized ducks. Oh, sorry, little tiny horses. Yeah, but yeah, but, I could I could just like the wipe was the, the floor size of those horses of a horse. It would not have the four legs of a horse that make the the horse so powerful either. It would have like, it. Little, feel- it'd have it. In fact, it would probably fall under the crushing weight of its of its of its torso. The legs are so small that if it were that big, the legs would not support the duck because it would be too heavy at the size of a horse. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it would have it's it would crush the legs and it'd just be stuck there and it wouldn't be able to do anything because it's too big. And so you could just you know stab it and you're done and you're good. <laughs> Maybe I don't know if we get weapons in this, but like. I want to fight all the tiny horses. One because uh, horse people are weird, and I want to bother them and make them angry. But like I would like like you would knock out like two horses and then grab them and use those two horses in either hand to beat up the other horses. I think I could I could easily take a hundred duck sized horses, no problem. I, I would fight them in a heartbeat. I would yeah. enjoy I would enjoy that, Father Harrison. <laughs> you know what? You can give your priest to support him a hundred. Duck-sized horses that he can beat up. That's what I want for Christmas. You be careful what you ask for. <laughs> All right, I think that's enough. I think so that's too. Enough. <laughs> uh, good. It was good. So uh, Tommy is busy trying to find a duck-sized horse, uh, so he can't be with us on the podcast today. But uh, for the rest of you, thanks for listening. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. A lot of people have written a lot of cool reviews. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Thank you. If you haven't done it yet, do it. That's your that's your penance for, for this week. Uh, tell your enemies about the podcast as well, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. God bless. Peace.